Chapter Five, Part Two of Patience Worth by Caspar Salafiel Yost. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Five, Part Two. The two dramatic stories presented here were but a paving of the way for larger work. The stranger had been hardly completed when Patience announced, "Thee'lt sorry at the task I'll set thee next." and then she began the construction of a drama that in its delivery consumed the time of the sittings for several weeks and it contained when finished some twenty thousand words it is divided into six acts each with a descriptive prologue and three of the acts have two scenes each making nine scenes in all it like the other shorter sketches is medieval in scene and the pictures which it presents of the customs and costumes and manners of the thirteenth or fourteenth century the period is not definitely indicated are amazingly vivid it has a somewhat intricate plot which is carried forward rapidly and its strands skilfully interwoven until the nature of the fabric is revealed in the sixth act this play is much more skilfully constructed in respect of stage technique than the two playlets that preceded it and it could no doubt be produced upon the stage with perhaps a little alteration to adapt it to modern conditions some idea of its beauty its sprightliness and its humor may be obtained from the prologue to the first act which follows wet earth fresh trod highway cut to wrinkles with cartwheels borne in with o'erloading a flank of daisy flowers and stones rolled o'er in blanketing a moss brown a young oak leaves shows soft amid the green adown a steep unto the vale hedged in by flowering fruit and threaded through with streaming silver o the brook where rushes shiver like a swishing o a lady's silk moss-lipped log doth case the spring who mothereth the brook and ivy hath climbed it o'er the trunk and leafless branch o yonder birch till she doth stand bedecked as for a folly dance rat-a-tat 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 from the thick where hides the logged and mud-smeared shack rat-a-tat rat-a-tat and hark ye to the tanner's song up 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 and down 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 a hammer to smite and a hand to pound a maid to court and a swain to woo a heifer felled and i build a shoe a souse anew in yonder vat and i'll buy my lady a feathered hat the play then begins with the tanner and his apprentice and the action soon leads to the royal castle where the exquisite love story is developed without a love scene there is no tragedy in the story it is all sentiment and humor and it is filled with poetry consider for example this description of easter morn from the prologue to the sixth act the earth did wake with boughs aburst a deadened apple twig doth blush at casting winter's furry coat to find her naked blooms a bath in sun the feathered hosts attuned do carol he hath risen e'en the crow with envy trieth melody and soundeth as a brass and listening loveth much his song young grasses send sweet-scented damp through the hours of risen day the bell a toll doth bid the village hence in path a trace through velvet fields hath flowered with fringing bloom and jewelled drops attempting tarriers the sweet asleep doth grace each venturing face the kinds stand knee-deep within the silly tittered brook 
or deep in bog a wallow soft breath ascent and lazy-eyed they wait them for the stripping maid the play is permeated with rich humour and to illustrate this i give a bit of the dialogue between dougal the page and anne the castle cook to appreciate it one must know a little of the story the hand of the princess ermeline is sought by prince charlie a doddering old rake whom she detests but whom for reasons of state she may be compelled to accept however she vows she will not speak while he is at court nor does she utter a word in the play until the end of the last act she has fallen in love with a troubadour who has come from no one knows where but who by his grace and his wit and his intelligence has made himself a favorite with all the castle folk anne has a roast on the spit and is scouring a pot with sand and rushes when dougal enters the kitchen dougal anne goody girl leave me but suck a bone my sides have withered and fallen in in truth anne get ye dougal thy footprints do show them in grease like to the queen's seal upon my floor dougal the princess hath bidden me to stay within her call but she doth drowse a drunk on love lil to the troubadour and prince of fools prince charlie hath gone long since to beauty sleep he tied unto his poster a posy wreath and brushed in scented oils his beauteous locks and sung a lay to ermeline and kissed a scullery wench afore he slept anne the dog i'd loved a punch to shatter him and ermeline hath vowed to lock her lips and pass as mute until his going dougal yea but i may speak for hers do flash like lightning and though small her foot doth fall most weighty to command yester the prince did seek her in the throne-room he tied his kerchief to a sack and filled it full of bluebells and minced him long the hall to strewing blossoms and singing like to a frozen pump within the chamber ermeline did hide her face in dreading to behold him come but at the door he spied the deer and bounded like a puppy across the flags a-pelting her with blooms and sputtering mid teehees she though did spy him first and measured her his sight and sudden slipped her neath the table shroud and he anne i swear sprawled him in his glee and rose to find her gone and whacked my shin the ass acause i heaved at shoulders anne ah oh, dougal tis a weary time in truth thee hadst best to put it back to court thy mistress's whim good sleep ye and dougal i have a loving for the troubadour whence cometh he dougal put thy heart to rest good anne he's but a piper who doth knock the tabor's end and coaxeth trembling strings by which to sing he came him out o nothing like the night of day we waked to hear him singing neath the wall anne ay but i do wag for surely thee doth see how ermeline doth court his song dougal nay anne tis but to fill an empty day when patience had finished this she preened herself a little did i not then spin a lengthy tale she asked but immediately she began work upon another a story of such length that it alone will make a book it differs in many respects from her other works particularly in the language and from a literary standpoint is altogether the most amazing of her compositions this too is dramatic in form but scene often merges into scene without division and it has more of the characteristics of the modern story 
it is however medieval but it is a tale of the fields primarily the heroine telka being a farm lass and the hero a farm hand perhaps this is why the obscure dialectal forms of rural england of a long time gone by are woven into it in this patience makes an astonishingly free use of the prefix a in place of a number of prefixes such as be and with now commonly used and she attaches it to nouns and verbs and adjectives with such frequency as to make this usage a prominent feature of the diction let me introduce telka in the words of patience dew damp thoggeth grasses lay low aneath the blade at yester's harvest and thistle bloom weareth at its crown a jewelled spray brown thrush nested neath the thicker yonder shrub hath preened her wings full long aneath the tender warmth the morning sun afield the grasses glint and breeze doth seeming set aflow the current a uh, a green waved stream soft-footed strideth telka bare toes a sink in soft earth and bits a green acling bedamped unto her snowy limbs smocked brown and aproned blue she seemeth but a bitter earth and sky alight amid the field a split at throat the smock doth show a bosom like a sheen a fleecy cloud availing o'er the sun's first flush betanned the cheek and tresses bleached by sun at every twist of curl strong hands do clasp a branch long dead and dried at end be pronged and casteth fresh cut blades to heap such is telka in appearance she seemeth but a bitter earth and sky alight amid the field seemeth yet but there is none of the sky in telka she is of the earth earthy an intensely practical young woman industrious economical but with no sense of beauty whatever no imagination no thought above the level of the ground i fashioned jugs of clay her father complained and filled with bloom and she becracked their necks and kept the swill wherein add to this a hot temper and a sharp tongue and the character of telka is revealed franco the lover on the other hand is an artist and poet although a field worker he has been reared as a foundling by the friars in the neighboring monastery and they have taught him something of the arts of mosaics and the illumination of missals between these two is a constant conflict of the material and the spiritual and the theme of the story is the spiritual regeneration or development of telka see says franco yonder way rose hath a bloom she be a thrifty wench and hath saved it from the spring telka i hate the thorn thing its barb hath pricked my flesh and full many a rent doth show it in my smock franco ah telka thine eyes do look like yonder blue and shimmer like to brooklet's breast telka the brooklet be bestoned and muddied by the swine thy tongue doth trip o'er pretty words franco but list telka i would have thee drink from out my cup telka ah show me then the cup and telka's father a wise old man cautions franco thee hadst best to take a warning franco she be o' the field and rooted there and thee o' the field but reaped and bound to free thee of the chaff by flailing of the world she then would be to thee but straw and waste to cast a wither but an understanding of the nature of this strange tale and its peculiar dialect requires a longer extract the story of the judge bush 
will serve better perhaps than anything else to convey an idea of the characters of Telka and Franco as well as to illustrate the language and the episode is interesting in itself the dialogue opens with Telka Franco and Marion on their way to Telka's hut Marion is Telka's dearest friend although one gets a contrary impression from Telka's caustic remarks in this excerpt but unlike Telka she can understand and appreciate the poetic temperament of Franco to show her contempt for Franco's aspirations Telko has taken his color pots and buried them in a dung heap and this characteristic act is the foundation of the story of the judge bush Franco Come we do put us to a dry tis sky a weep and tis a gray day from now I tell thee Telka We then put us to hearth and spin ye shall and thou Marion shall bake an ash loaf and put a apples for us to burst afore the fire tis chill the wine wind o the storm we then shall spin a tale by turn and tell calas i plucked a sweet bloom for thee to wear thine eye hath softened eh my lass here set thy nose herein and thou canst ne'er to think of that besoured telka ah tis a wise lad i wed who spendeth a his stacking hours to pluck weed and thee wouldst have me sniff the dung dust from their leaf do cast them wither and upon thy smock do wipe thy hand it be my fancy for to waste the gray hours aside the fire's glow but franco see ye the wee pigs a squeal tis nay liking the wet do fetch them hence here marion cast my cape about thee since thou dost wear thy petty skirt and sabbath smock gad blue maketh thee to match a plucked goose thy skin already hath seemed i vow and marion tis deed a flash to me thy tress be red should i to bear a red top i'd cast it whither franco telka telka drat thy barbed tongue cast thou the bolt gad what a scent of browning joint telka do leave me to turn the spit that i may lick the finger drip thy nose franco doth trick thee thou canst sniff a dung dust and scoff at drip go roll the apples o'er in yonder pile they then would suit thee well franco i bid thee to wash away such tonguing here i set them so now do i fetch thy wheel nay marion do cast thy blush tis but the telka witch do thou to start thee at thy tail a spin telka ay marion thou then since ne'er truth knoweth thee thou should ne'er to lack for story story do i say ay or lie tis brothers they be and franco do thou to spin twill suit thy taste to feed pon maids fair i be the spinner o the tailor first but franco i fain would have thee fetch a pair o harkers did seem to fret me that thee dumped the twain aneath the stack go thou and fetch tis well that thee shouldst bed with swine lest thee be preening for a swan franco ah oh, telka thou art like a vat o wine a work thou'd fetch the swine do you seek to company them telka so well polly i do go for tis swine are worth a more than colour daub set then since thou be wench franco look ye telka tis here i cast the cloak and show thee metal a bed thou hast ridden pon a high nag for days and i do kick his hock and sect him at a limp do thou a clip thy words a short or i do cast a stone through thy bubble telka ah franco tis name meaning 
put here do spin thy tail but do ye first to leave me fetch the wee squeals then i do be a tamed dove see ye franco away then and fetch thee back a hurry exit telka franco marion tis what that i should put a path to tread she be a wronged but do i feed the fires or put a stop marion franco tis a pot and stew she loveth think ye to coach thy dream forms from out the pot telka arounded and a wrath be like a thunderstorm but telka less the wrath and round be winter's dreary franco not so marion i shall then call forth the ghosts of painted pots and touch the dreary abloom didst thou e'er to slit thy eye and view through afar dost thou then behold the motes so then shall i to view the telka maid whist here she be a back telka come i itch for thee to spin a tail sit thee here and dry the wet sparkles from thy curls list do twere a peddler packer who did stroll adown the blade-strewn path along the village edge a bent and brow-shagged eye did hide a twinkle mirth aneath eek eek telka look franco see they eek do i pull their tails uncurl franco Dee then wish thee telka for to play upon their one-string lyre or do i put ahead be strung a border of the road the cots send smoke wreaths up to join the cloud twere sup hour and drip a frazzle soundeth through the doors beope like to a water catch it a slipping through dry leaf to pool aneath do i then put it clear telka yea franco what hath he in his pack i'd put a gander for a frock marion on franco thy tail hath a lilt franco a wag walk he weaveth to the door a first hand the wee lads and lass do cluster about the door and twist tween their finger and thumb their smocking hem or chew thereon but he doth seem a loath to cast off pack or ope and standeth at a peer to murmur then to cast eek eek telka nay franco twere not my doing i swear twere he who sat upon a fire spark do haste i hop for sight to thin the pack franco what telka thou a wag and pig a sweek and me the tail do put quiet the dame and sire do step them out from grey innards of the hut and pack tipper beggeth for a mug a porridge and showeth of a strand bound pack we lads and lass a quiver tip topple at a peep and dame doth fetch the brew but shaketh nay at offering a gift and spake it so a porridge pot doth hold a mug and one a more for he who bideth thout a brew nay drink ye and thank the morrow's sun tis stony path thee trod and dust choketh do rest and bide thee at our sill till weariness are worn away think ye marion that peddle man did leave and cast not pence what think ye telka Telka, I did hear ye tell o' his fill, but tell thee a fillipack. Franco, a time, Telka, nay, he did drink, and left as price an ancient jug o' clay, and thick and o' weight, to thank and wag we pence. Telka, did he then to pack anew and oft thout a peep? Franco, yea, and dark did yawn and swallow him, but morrow bringeth tale that pedal packer had paid to each a hut's a beg and what think ye left a jug where'er he supped 
for a clayster on the morrow findeth him a follow for price eh nay talca not so and jugs are shaken soundeth like to a swine but a tip did show nay drop marion do tweak the telka she be a slumber wake thee telka marion wake thee telka the drugs be now to crack telka nay tis a puddler a tale a packster and a strand bound pack a weary franco but list thee for twere eve that found the dames a wag for though they set the jugs aright there be but dust where they did stand yea all telka maid save that the pedal man did give to dame at first hand the gabble put it so that twere the porridge begged that dames did fetch but for a hope a price where jugs are shrunk telka but twere such a scurvy franco i wage the jug a left doth leak what think ye i be caring bout jug or pedal packer marion snip short thy word telka leave franco for to tell i be a prick for scratch to ease the itch a wonder on lad and tie the ends a wee strand franco tis told the dame did treasure o the jug and sire did show abroad the wonder and all did list unto the swish and nothing wine and thirsted for a sup and each did tip its crooked neck and shake but ne'er a drop did slip it through and wonder marion besides did sweat like to a damp within so twere the townsmen shook a wag their heads and feared the witch work or the wise man's cunger and they did bid the sire to dig a pit and put therein the jug telka twere waste they wrought i vow for should ye crack away its neck twould then be fit for holding o' the swill there be a pair ahind the stack franco nay telka not as this for they did dig a pit and plant jug therein and morrow showed from out the fresh turned earth a bush had sprung and on its every branch a bud a many-coloured hue alike to rainbow's robe and lo the dames and sires did cluster about and each did pluck a twig a laden with the bud but as twere snapped what think ye there be in the hand a naught save when the dame who asked not price did pluck and tis told that to this day the townsmen fetch unto the bush and force a pluck do they make question o their brother man and so tis with he who fashions o the rainbow's robe a world to call his own and fetcheth to the grown bush his brother for to show and he seeth not tis so he judge telka oh thou art a story spinner o' a truth and peddle packer too eh and thou dost deem that thou hast planted of thy pot to force thy bush by which she judge Puh! thou art a fool franco and thy pots o colour be not o worth thy pains so thou dost think then i be plucking a naught aside thy bush while well, i do tell thee this thy pots ne'er as the jug shall spring nay for morn found me a dig and i did cast them here to the fire afearing they should haunt franco tis nuff telka i leave them to the flame but thou shouldst know the bush a bud doth show in every smouldering blaze telka see franco i be yet neck ahead for i do spat upon the flame and lo thy bush be naught franco ay tis so but there be a hid a place thou ne'er hast seen therein i put what be mine own the love for them thou art a butterfly telka a beating o thy wing upon a thistle-leaf 
do hover about the blooms thou knowest best and leave dream bush and thistle leaf it is a remarkable story many lines are gems of wit or wisdom or beauty and it contains some exquisite poetry there are many characters in it all of them lovable but telka and she becomes so ere the end a curious and interesting fact in this connection is that after beginning this story patience used its peculiar form of speech in her conversation and in her poems previously as i have pointed out there was a natural and consistent difference between her speech and her writings and it would seem that in this change she would show that she is not subject to any rules nor limited to the dialect of any period or any locality scattered through this present volumes are poems prose pieces and bits of her conversation in which the curious and frequent use of the prefix a the abbreviation of the word of and the strange twists of phrase of the telka story are noticeable all of these were received after the story was begun but there is another form of prose composition that patience has given to us while she is writing a story she does not confine herself to that work but proceeds or follows it with a bit of gossip a personal message a poem or something else Sometimes she stops in the midst of her story to deliver something entirely foreign to it that comes into her mind During one week while Telka was being received she presented three parables all in the peculiar language of that story I reproduce them here and leave it to the reader to ponder o'er their meaning Long yea long agone aside a wall a tilt who joined unto a brother wall and made atween a gap a pointer backed there did upon the every day a cross-legged sit a bartmaker amid his sacks a heat and ne'er a by did tribesmen make nay but twere the babes who sought the bartman and lo he shutteth both his eyes and babes do pilfer from the sacks and feed thereon till sacks a sink and still a cross-legged doth he sit yea and days do follow days till winter settleth upon his locks its snow ay and lo at rise a sun upon such a day as had followed day since first he sat they did see that he had a shrunken and they did wag that were the wasting of his days at sitting at cross leg and yet the babes did fetch for feast and were fed till last a day did dawn and gappa showed it empty and no man woed but babes did sorry about the spot till tribesmen marvelled and fetched alongside and coaxed the sweets their word but no man found answer in their prate and they did ope remaining sacks and lo there be a naught save dry fruit and babes did reach forth for it and wert fed and more it did nurture them and they went forth a to the fields a earth a strengthened and fed pon what brother list ye pon truth there be aside the market's place a merchant and a brother merchant ay and one did put price a high and gold a clinketh and copper groweth mould atween where he did store and his brother giveth measure full and more for the pence are him who offereth but pence at measure that runneth o'er to full of gold's price and lo they do each to buy a herds and he who hath full price buyeth but the shrunk a herd and he who hath little buyeth the full a herd and time maketh full the sacks a him who hoardeth gold and layeth at a flat the sacks a him who maketh poor price 
and lo he who hath plenty hoardeth more and he who hath bide a seed and sowed and reaped therefrom and famine crept it nearer and fringed upon the land and smote the land a him who assacketh the gold and crept it upon the land a him a pence and herds did lower hunger and he who hath but gold had naught to feed thereon for sacks are choked upon gold and he who had but pence did sack but grain and grass and fed the herd and lo they fattened and did fill the emptied sacks with gold while he who had naught but gold did sick and famine wasted a his herd and famine's sun did rise to shine upon him a stricken upon gold a sacked there were a man and his brother and they wrought them unalike yea and one did fashion from wood and ply till wonder-worker stood a temple o' wood and his brother fashioned o' reeds and worketh wonder-baskets and he who wrought a wood scoffeth and the tribesmen make buy a baskets and wag that tis a sorry wrought the temple and spake them that the lord would smite and lay it low for he who wrought did think him a naught save the high and wide of it and look not at its strength nor yet its stand upon earth and they did turn the baskets about and put to strain and lo they did hold and it were the tribesmen who shook their heads and murmured yea yea they be a goodly so tis he who doth fashion from wood a size doth prosper not and he who doth fashion a reed and small doth thrive verily these are all somewhat cryptic although their interpretation is not difficult but that which follows on the magic of a laugh needs no explanation i do fashion out a tale for babes said patience when she presented this parable of the fairy's wand and in it she gives an expression of another one of her characteristics one that is intensely human the love of laughter which she seems to like to hear and often to provoke lo at a time thou knowest not i i thy handmaid knowest not there wert born unto the earth a babe and lo the dame of this babe wert but a fieldswoman and lo days and days did pass until the fullness of the babe's days and it stood in beauty past word o' me yea and there wert a noble and he did pass and lo his brow was dark and smile had forsook his lips and he came unto the cot and there stood the babe who wert now a maid a lovely and he spake unto her and said come now and unto the lands of me shall we make way thou art not of the fields but for the nobles and she spake not unto his word and lo the mother of the babe came forth and this man told unto her of this thing that her babe wert not of the field but for the nobled and at the bidding of the noble she spake yea the maid should go unto his lands and time after time after the going lo no word came unto the mother and within the lands of the noble the maid lived and lo the days were sorry and the paths held but shadows and nay smile shed gold unto the hours and she smiled that this noble did offer unto her much of royal stores yea gems and gold and all a maid might wish and she looked in pity unto the noble and spake what hast thou lo thou hast brought forth of thy store and given unto me and what dost it buy thy lips are ever sorry and thy hours dark then take thou these gifts and keep within such an day as thine 
for hark ye my dame the fields woman hath given unto me that which setteth at to naught thy gifts for hark ye mid thy darker sorry i shall spill a laugh for it be a fairy's wand and turneth dust to gold and she fled unto the sun's paths of the field verily do i say unto thee this the power of the fairy's wand is thine thy gift of the field mother earth then cast out that which earthlands do offer unto thee and flee with thy gift it is somewhat difficult to select an ending for this chapter on the prose of patience the material for it is so abundant and so varied but this parable of the cloak may perhaps form a fitting finish there were to man and lo he did to seek and quest a sage that which he did mouth o'er much and lo he did to weave a such an robe and did to clothe himself therein and lo twere sun a shut away and cool and heat and bright and shade and lo still did he to draw about him the cloak and twere o'er the mouthings o'er the sage and lo at a day twere sent abroad that truth should stalk upon earth and man were he to look him close should see and lo the man did draw about him the cloak and did to wag him nay and nay twere truth the sages did to mouth and i did weave athin the cloak of me and then twere that truth did seek a earth and she were clad a naught and seeked the man and begged that he would cast the cloak and clothe o'er her therein and lo he did to draw him close the cloak and hid his face therein and wag him and nay he did to know her not and lo she did to fetch her unto him a thrice and then did he to wag him still a nay 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 and lo she toucheth of the cloth a sage's mouth and it doth fall a tattered and leave him clothed a naught and at a wishing and he did seek a truth ay ever and when he did to find lo she wagged him nay and nay and nay end of chapter 5 part 2